This is a Federal News Network podcast. When a veteran passes away, it currently takes more than two months on average for VA to process their survivors' claims for dependency and indemnity compensation. But automation is helping to drastically shorten that timeline. Assuming the application is complete on the front end, the department can now approve those claims within about four hours, without a claims processor ever having to see it. Kevin Friel is Deputy Director of VA's Pension and Fiduciary Service. He's with us now to talk more about how they've been using automation in his section of the department. And Kevin, thanks for doing this. And um, wanted to start by getting a little bit of an update on, on where you are with automation. VBA automation has been a little bit in the news lately with uh, the disability compensation part of, of the administration getting in on some pilots. But you all in the pension and fiduciary service have been working on automation for quite a bit longer. Tell us how robust, how mature all, all your automation efforts are, what kind of progress you've made so far. Yeah, Jared, thanks for the question. Uh, just to be Clear, we are separate from compensation service, so our automation, as you said, is a lot different. Uh, we've actually been automating since about 2014. Uh, there was a public law, 114.315, that Congress passed that basically told us, um, as it relates to surviving spouses, we should pay them the benefits they're entitled to uh, based on the evidence of record. So in the past, you know, if a veteran passed away, the spouse would have to submit an application to us and we would have to go through that process. When that law was passed, what we looked at is what we could do. So the, the two things we, we made, made out that we could do is we could pay burial benefits. So VA um, helps to offset burial benefits for veterans who pass away and are in receipt of VA benefits at the time of their death or had a claim pending where they would have been, or if the remains are, un, are unclaimed, right, for unclaimed remains. So with that, if we have, a, we have the surviving spousal record, once we get that notification, and the spouse calls us, we, we can process the burial claims and the burial awards and get them out to the spouse without even getting an application, just because we, we know we have identified the spouse and linked them to the veteran. And then we have um, for DIC, dependency indemnity compensation, right? There's typically that is meant for uh, to be payable to a surviving spouse where the veteran's death was related to a service connect mission. Um, however, there's a law that says if the veteran was rated 100% compensable, right, for service connected for periods of time that we can go ahead and pay that administratively. So we also look at that in the automation process. And if the veteran meets those criteria, we will go ahead and initiate DIC to the surviving spouse automatically, once again, without an application. We also do some automation state veteran cemeteries uh, who inter, inter veterans, right, who are eligible for burial in, in the National Veteran Cemetery. They do that at no cost to the beneficiary. Uh, or, or the survivors. The VA will, however, reimburse them um, the cost of plot, the plot benefit, which is about $832. I'm going to a little off on the money, but it's, it's over $800. We went through that process and looked at it to see how we can improve it. And we've automated that process too. So now when the state submit us, we can run those through automation and get them done quickly. And then we went to our next level, which was how do we do something where we get a claim right, from a survivor or um, for burial or DIC? And over starting in uh, 2019, we started to work on automation. We had been looking at it and trying to get it implemented over a period of time. In 2019, we finally got everything lined up and we started to roll that out. So today, uh, with, when we receive an application of, uh, for a burial claim or for a DIC claim, a dependency indemnity compensation claim, we extract the data from that and then we run it through our automated processes. If automation can process that claim to completion, which and it's normally the award, right? Always an award of benefits. It'll run that through through all the rules and it'll pay that out. With our current processes, if the surviving spouse 
or gives us all the information we need, which is typically the form is completed the way that it needs to be completed, all the blocks are filled in that need to be filled in. And we have a copy of the veteran's death certificate. Um, we have been able to process those claims in as little as four hours. From when it comes in, it's, it's automatically established. The data is automatically extracted from the form and then it, it is run through our automation thing and it's processed out. If we don't have that, if the information isn't clean, or if we don't have the death certificate, it just delays the process. So, you know, getting all the information up front is, is where we want to be. However, what we don't want is somebody to hold off on applying uh, because, you know, we, we know, we understand that there's, there's many times delays in getting a death certificate, right? They're not always readily available. Typically, you have a year to, to apply for the benefit, which will go back to the date of the veteran's death. So, you know, our thing is, is get the application in. If you don't have the death certificate or you're waiting for it, get that application in. At least we have your benefit, your, your claim established, you know, as, as you work to get that death certificate. Once we get the death certificate, automation will go through and extract that just like it already has the form. And if we have everything we need, once the death certificate comes in, automation will pick that up and run it. So it's not a, like a one and done. We look at these claims every evening. And if there's a change in status, we will go ahead and work that out. In a best case scenario, if the claim has been submitted with everything that VBA needs to process it, does a human ever need to touch it or is it automated end to end? In the best case scenario right now, no, a human doesn't need to touch it. We have done it. We have an automatic claims establishment. We have, we have criteria around that. So if we, the information is within our system, we can establish that claim right away based off of the form and, and the information we have on the form. Uh, then we do, like I said, we do the automatic data extraction from it. And so if the data extraction, it comes in clean, we run those nightly. And if it, if everything's there, it'll, it'll go right through. And we were mentioning a little bit off the air that, that pension uh, automation is coming a little bit later. Is that just a more complex process? And, and tell us how that's been going, if you could. It is. Uh, pension's a little more complex because um, basically we have to look at all the income that a beneficiary has. We have to look at the medical expenses they have. And, and in the pension program, uh, we use medical expenses as a means to reduce income. It's a needs-based program, right? So it's an income-based uh, program. And the income levels are are set by Congress, the thresholds, but we are allowed to use a medical expense to do a reduction of the income to potentially get them below the threshold. So just to use round numbers, say that we say a, a veteran can have $14,000 a year in, in income. If they have 17 or 18 or $20,000, but they have, you know, seven or eight or $9,000 in medical expenses that they have paid, we would, re, we, you know, eventually we can reduce that income down based off of their medical expenses to get them below the $14,000 threshold and then be able to pay them benefits. Um, similar objectives on the pension side to get so, to somewhere in the four-hour area or at least inside a day? There, there are. There, I mean, I, and I'll tell you, I, like the four-hour is the best case scenario. Yeah. We, we we don't get many of those, but, you know, we do we do get a few every, every evening. Um, you know, typically we have to send these out because we don't get all the information. But, yeah, the goal would be, you know, we're, to get as many of these through – uh, as quickly as we can, because when the when the beneficiary comes into us for, for what we see within the pension world, because we have responsibility for burial and DIC and and pension, so as I said, pensions needs based. So when they come into us, they they're really needed this benefit, right? Financially, they're struggling, and and the faster we can get money into their hands, so that we can help them meet their day to day living needs and stuff like this, is where we want to be. And with the survivors benefits, with with the DIC and burial, you, you know, typically. These are people who've been married to vet, to the veterans and, you know, veteran and spouse have been married for years. It's, it's typically not like, you know, a short period of time, but you're talking, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And so they're going through the worst time of their life. So if I can do anything I can to get their, you know, A is to get them the money to help 
reimbursed for the funeral and, and then B is if they're eligible for DIC to get that flow where they 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 can help uh, offset the lost income, we want to do that as quickly as we possibly can. You know, that's why even like with the first automation, as I said, we do that without getting any um, application. We get a call, we send a letter out, and then six days later, if we don't have anything that says we shouldn't pay it, we, we pay that benefit. Regardless of whether the application is being processed manually or going through automation, veterans still need to submit essentially the same thing, or veterans or survivors still need to submit essentially the same documentation. Correct, yeah. Can you give us just what was some of the most important things that, that VBA needs to ensure that they've got the best chance of getting through that automation process as quickly as possible? Sure. So for the veterans' purposes, um, when we get a pension claim, one of the things that we, two things actually that kind of slow us down. One is the, the application not being completely filled out, right? So uh, in for the application to be eligible for pension, whether it be a survivor or veteran, we need to know their income. We need to know, we need them to put down and tell us what, what income they have. You know, typically it's only for, for our population, it's a small, it's either social security and maybe a retirement or annuity or things like that. But that all has to be listed and we need their marital history and we need, you know, we need the medical expenses. If they're in a nursing home, we need specific forms filled out. So filling out the application completely right as completely as possible will help us expedite it also if they've never filed a claim with VA before submitting their proof of their service verification right so the 214 or the 215 whatever they have for service verification because one of the requirements is you have to be a veteran right Um, so we we need to validate that they are a veteran Uh, for the population that we look at like when you go back to like Vietnam Korea World War II where, where we get the veterans and survivors within that population um, they're typically, we don't have the, their electronic record. So we, we're, we're totally tied to paper on these people. So for, on these veterans and their survivors, so getting that for, 214 in, and we've actually recently in, in November um, of 2021, we changed our, our rule, right? Previously that 214 had to be certified, it had to be stamped by a VSO, veteran service or, organization, or it had to be come right from the Department of Defense or the, the branch of service. We have now said, if we get one that comes in with a from this from the beneficiary from the applicant and there's no indication that it's been altered or adjusted or whatever, we will accept that. So we won't delay the claim anymore because I'm sure you, we've all heard about the federal records delays that we we've, we've had because of COVID. Right now, it, with our new rule, if it comes in and it says it, it looks good, we're going to take that and move that forward. But having that as part of the package too, and then the, on the on the survivor side, when we get a DIC claim. One of the big things is having a death certificate. To be eligible for DIC, the veteran had to have passed away from a service-connected condition, whether it be a primary or secondary cause of death. Um, so, you know, having the death certificate is the only way we can make that link. Now, one of the things that I will tell everybody is do not make the decision on your own whether or not you're eligible for a benefit. If the veteran passed away and you believe it's service-connected or, or you think it may be, just send it in. Let us make the determination. I, I I can't tell you that we're going to grant it to everybody, but allowing us to make the decision and allowing us to review the data is probably the best scenario for anyone. Even if we deny it, then at least you know that VA has looked at it and you haven't been told by some third party, don't apply because you're not eligible, right? Let us make the decisions and submit the applications to us. And, and then the last, in our last couple of minutes here, Kevin, I do, do want to emphasize that there is third party help out there for folks who want to use it, VSOs, attorneys, others. Can you talk a little bit about what VBA generally recommends if someone's going to go that route and some of the red flags for people who may be um, a little bit less honest about helping veterans? 
Sure, uh, thank you. That's a that's a great great lead. And so um, I will tell you that for our purposes, veteran service organizations are our our biggest advocates, right? They, for us, for VA, they are our front line. They are actually out, you know, working the, the, the different communities and being available to them, especially like rural areas where you have, you have VFWs and, and American Legion posts and things like that. That's where you should be going if you need assistance. Or you can call the 1-800-827-1000 number, right? Which is our VA call centers. And we have representatives there who help assist in, in filling out a form and providing guidance in there. And then, you know, if you're close enough to a, a regional office, you can you can schedule an appointment and walk into a regional office and they will sit down and help you fill that all out. And, and it's really important that if, if you if you're going to need to seek assistance, seek something from from these organizations. These are these are all representatives, you know, veteran service organizations are have all been validated by the by the VA and they they've all been certified to do the work that they do and they don't charge. Um, we even tell it on our forms. Individuals cannot be charged to submit an original claim. So a lawyer fee can't be can't be charged, shouldn't be charged for submitting an original claim. Now, on a subsequent claim or where they are appealing something and they want a legal representative, that's a completely different story. But for that original application, there should be no fee. VSO will help fill that in, help submit it. And the other thing with the VSOs, you know, that's beneficial to the to the beneficiary or the claimant is the VSOs have direct contact with the VA. They, they have lines that they can call, they can talk to us. So they have the ability to follow up on your claim that, that even, you know, if, if the circumstances changes. So, you know, if, if someone is terminally ill or if they're about to become homeless or think, you know, the VSOs can can let us know that and we will we will work to expedite the claim and, you know, make sure that we can we can help these veterans out and their, their survivors out as quickly as possible. But, you know, you have third party co- companies out there that are coming in and, and saying, we'll help you with these medical expenses and we'll, we'll help offset these. We'll give you a loan and then you can repay it or we'll take a percentage of whatever your payment is for this period of time, you know, and, and that's that shouldn't be happening. Um, you know, so our, our thing is to stay with the VSOs. Like I said, they're certified by the VA. Right. And and we work closely with them. So that's probably the best benefit. That's Kevin Friel, deputy director of VA's pension and fiduciary service. Subscribe to The Federal Drive on Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.